the remnants of the constitutional order. Now, what are they again? I'll tell you what they're not. Okay. They are not checks and balances. <laughs> they are not separation of powers. Right. GOTUS is a fraud, has been for generations. What we do have, free speech, free press, free assembly, the right to petition our government, and the right to keep and bear arms. And out of those remnants, it's the latter that is the most important, because I'm convinced that it may come to that. And the framers knew it. That's why it's in the Constitution. That's why it's in state constitutions. And even the recent Supreme Court decisions, the Heller and McDonald decisions, those weren't pro-Second Amendment. No. When you read those closely, with incorporation and everything else, right. those were anti-core uh, Second Amendment decisions. Hey, by the way, there's a, uh, and I just passed this along because you mentioned incorporation. For those of you that are fascinated by this, uh, the incorporation doctrine, and Gosh, I spent uh, about a quarter of my career in, in talking about constitutional issues, just trying to talk people down off of this silly, ridiculous notion that has been put in their brains by the NRA and other clods that the, the Second Amendment is some kind of universal, uh, universal carry law when it's nothing of the sort. Second Amendment is the guarantee that the states will retain the sovereign right to staff, run, and arm and equip their own militias until they are called into the service of the United States. That's what it says. That's the history of it. And there are a few people out there that still believe that and uh, uh, that live by it. But one of the other things that, uh, that, that I just heard you say about this, about incorporation, and uh, just tying this in with this kind of white martyrdom that, that, that you spoke of, financial, professional, uh, 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 personal, etc., is, you know, this began, <laughs> the Confederate States, all right, warts and pimples and, and all, when they seceded and when the rabid uh, uh, Republicans in, in the North reacted to this, you, you want to talk about a pushback, well, there's a deadly, lethal, diabolical pushback, if there ever was one, uh, Marshall, was the reaction by the radical Republicans in, in the North and, and in the federal Congress. Well, uh, not only did they unleash now the permanent uh, state of war affairs that we seem to be in, which is total war, which did not exist prior to Sherman and Lincoln and Grant and all the rest of them. Not only did they unleash this, they also unleashed diabolical and totally unprecedented methods and uh, uses for uh, bringing to bear power, uh, for, for concentrating power inside this, the general government or the federal government of the United States, general government as, uh, as, as Madison and his, uh, his um, uh, contemporaries would have called it, they, they unleashed this practice and they would do it through any means necessary to concentrate that power for their own benefit. The late, great Professor Forrest McDonald wrote an entire essay, a paper. I have it at MikeChurch.com. I think I forwarded you a copy of it, too. I went ahead and did, I bought it from a library and digitized and turned it into text. McDonald proved, Professor DeRosa, the 14th Amendment was never ratified. It could not have been ratified under the conditions under which the Secretary of, of State, uh, whoever it was in the Johnson administration, or the, uh, who would that have been after Johnson? Um, Grant, okay. Grant, Grant administration said it was. It couldn't have been ratified. You can't have a, a, a state that's not a state 
ratifying an amendment until they are a state. It was a condition of readmission in the union. And uh, this is the first use, uh, one of the first use of the Constitution as a federal instrument to bludgeon the states into doing the will of the central authority, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that whole period of American political development is a, well, you talk about a crime against humanity. Um, (laughs) Justice Greer in the Texas v. White case, he calls it insanity. You know, the national government in Texas was the plaintiff in the case. They plead insanity in order to get... uh, the Reconstruction Government of Texas recognizes a legitimate state. So, you know, we, when we, Mike, I've come to the conclusion after spending many years studying uh, the Confederacy and such that we cannot discuss this with those people on the other side in good faith. No, they can't. listen to they they ignore facts. That's right. They're not interested in the truth. That's right. They want power. That's right. So they. And the only way to check power is with power. And I tell my students, you know, I teach political science, as I mentioned, the essence of politics is power, and the essence of power is violence. And that American, uh, what we call the American Civil War, which was really the War of Northern Aggression, that's an independent confederacy, uh, was just politics by other means, and that was violence. It almost yeah. sounds as though, it almost sounds as though what you're saying right now, especially if we uh, appeal out to um, those that are willing to fight for liberty, I would call religious liberty the principal liberty that, uh, that, that you should fight for in the first instance here. It almost sounds like we're being called in this day and age here, and I, and I really do think that it does just come into a culmination, that uh, what Professor DeRosa is telling us, we're all, it almost sounds like we're being called to join the Sixth Crusade. <laughs> and, and that Washington is Jerusalem or uh, whatever uh, city was to, <laughs> where the uh, Mohammedans were, 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 were gathered that the Crusade was fought against. In the first one, of course, it was Jerusalem. But it almost sounds like it's the Christian and Catholic people of the South and the West and the Midwest and uh, a, a few parts of the Northeast, like New Hampshire and Vermont, uh, are being called into a holy crusade that's going to be waged against the power elite that have occupied, that, uh, as Patrick Henry said, y'all 10 miles square uh, with all the <laughs> fine ornaments of human life taken from uh, the, the, the states. Um, um, that, 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 that it almost sounds crusade-like. It really does. With this major difference, Mike. Okay. Um, the, uh, when, you know, my area of specialization is the war from 1861 to 1865. Okay. And the Southerners had the clergy on their side. They anticipated America becoming an atheistic nation within a few generations. This was a religious war as well as a political war. I mean, when you read those sermons from those uh, Southern ministers and clergy, they make it quite clear that Christendom is at stake. The difference is this. As a Catholic, and I follow these things the best I can, we have no leadership in the Catholic Church. I don't trust the Pope. Amen. I don't trust my bishop. Amen. And the priests, for the most part, are morons. 
insofar as because they dabble into politics, a place they have no business in dabbling, from the pulpit. So if it's a crusade, you know, we don't have that. When you read the popes, when they were uh, initiating the crusades, they didn't mince words. They, they caught a spade a spade. I see the church, especially the Bishop of Rome, not as a religious leader, but as a political opponent. So these are dark times, True. in my humble opinion. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and I, I, you know, we, we need the clergy, the, the, those that are still true to the faith, priests, and I don't know many bishops, but I do know some priests, uh, that all, I, I talked to priests, Mike. I'm a friend who was, he, he finally had to leave. When he told me what was going on mm-hmm. in my diocese, it would make you vomit. No, I've, I, I've heard it, and it's uh, something that is widespread. Um, uh, but there's also, there is a remnant that is emerging. Uh, I would hazard a guess to say that the Remnant Magazine's uh, readership is on the rise. I can't tell you how many people have told me they found this show as a result of the story that Christopher Ferrara published in the Latin Mass uh, magazine, which apparently we need to have a regular ad installed into it <laughs> to make sure that uh, traditionalists and uh, those that love the extraordinary form of the Mass and get the magazine can find out about this. But what I also think, and, and I've talked to with many friends about this, and you're just the latest one, old friend, um, we can see glasses half full and half empty. You know, for all those prelates that we see and that we, we know that this stuff is going on in parishes, they've diluted the liturgy down to where it's almost like we have clown masses and beach ball masses without the clowns and the beach balls, but pretty close. The reverence towards uh, the real presence of our Lord and the Mass, you know, as my friend likes to say, what goes on in here, meaning inside the churches, is what happens out there. That uh, you know, the, the, it's just, and this has pretty much been much been the way it's it's been in American history, and certainly in Western civilization history. That when there has been a weakening of orthodoxy and a weakening of of, of strong reverent liturgy, there is also a weakening of orthodoxy in people's behavior and their morals, and a weakening in their in their moral behavior. I mean, the two follow; they're hand in hand. But what I see, for the first time in my adult life is that for every one of those prelates and every one of those priests that's mailed it in, bagged it in, and is uh, and, and the things that, that, that you and I know are going on, including the antics of the Holy Father, for every one of those, there's a new Latin Mass Society that's popping up. I, I get, we get emails every week uh, asking us, because we have a Mysterium Fidei here, about, uh, about the Mass, about the traditional, the extraordinary Mass, and how much people are falling back in love with it. And, you, you know, when, when you go to a Latin Mass and you see those families uh, that pack the first five or six pews of any Catholic church on an extraordinary Mass Sunday, uh, Marshall, I know you know this, what do you see? Families, husband, wife, five, six, eight, sometimes ten kids. That's the future. So I think the future uh, of the church, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, but there most certainly is a remnant out here. And I think that the remnant is ascendant. And I think that the remnant of people making connections like here on the Crusade Channel. A year ago, we didn't have the Crusade Channel. Now we do. You have a place now to speak out. That's fantastic. David Simpson, my friend, has a place to speak out. That's fantastic. Brother Andre Marie has a place where he can launch his reconquest as a marrying a slave to marry monk from New Hampshire he didn't have before. Christopher Ferrara has a place where he can talk about liberty, the God that failed. 
book that everyone ought to read, and he can get it in front of a lot more people than he ever could before. And I, I'm not singling me out because there are certainly other uh, there, there are other places. The Church Militant TV, uh, the Remnant Magazine mentioned the Latin Mass Society. There are societies all over the uh, the country that are rising. Um, I think that the remnant, and I think that orthodoxy is on the rise. Now, not, not, it's not a popular movement, Professor. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm optimistic to the point that I'm ready to declare victory. I'm just saying that the seeds have been planted. You see the seeds, don't you? It reminds me, uh, I can remember the author read a book years ago, The Irish Saved, uh, How the Irish Saved Civilization. It was through the monasteries. But it's not, I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime. But we always have to, as you well know, you know, divine providence is involved here. Um, but, the, uh, but I do see, you know, my wife and I, we think we go to Mass, and we're thinking, instead of coming out feeling full of grace, we wonder if we committed a sacrilege for participating in some of the Masses we're subjected to. Um, I shouldn't be laughing. It's that type of confusion... And we know where confusion originates when it comes to theology. Boy, howdy. Um, that's really uh, troubling. And, you know, we have four kids, and we're trying to raise them based upon how we were raised and the importance of the Mass and the sacraments and everything. But when we're getting the Pope saying one thing, and we're trying to teach our their adults now, our children, something else, and then comes time for them to make a decision during temptation or some type of personal crisis. Are they going to default to the Pope or to Mom and Dad? Well, it's that type of battle that we're engaged in. And you know, going back to the Bishop of Rome, this thing with climate change is much more important. People shouldn't lose light or sight of what's happening here. This is that type of. Um, political development that is just sucking the life out of local communities, out of self-government, and putting power where it needs not to be and should not be. And that's in these global bureaucracies, these leaders, these ruling castes. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's my wife and I say, well, we always had the church to fall back on during these troubling times. But now we've, we've lost our country, and we're losing our church. And that's why these are very interesting times. It's a very you know, exciting time to be alive, because this is where the rubber hits the road. That's right. You're either going to stand for principles and have the courage of your conviction, i.e., don't crawl under a rock and wait for the storm to pass, uh, or you're not going to do it. No, don't crawl, and, don't, don't crawl you know, under a rock. This is where men with chest, in Lewis's words, need to be found and need to organize and need to be prepared.